What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today, we have somebody who I've been working with pretty closely lately, and uh, they invited me on to participate in probably one of the coolest projects I've been able to, to do in a while, and just so closely aligns with stuff that I enjoy and things that I'm fascinated in, and and the stuff that I do as an artist, too. So it was it was great to to be involved. So, Amy Bachelor. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what hey. what is it that you do? <laughs> uh, well, uh, my principal job is uh, as uh, the graphic designer at the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia. Um, I also am a casual faculty at the Nova Scotia Community College as well. Cool. And how long have you been at the gallery? I have been at the gallery for a little over 15 years. Long yeah. time, long time. How, how long have you been teaching? In a minute. Uh, I've been teaching since uh, 2009, but I've been at the NSCC since 2013. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Good. I taught um, through extended studies uh, at NASCAD before I uh, landed at the NSCC. Oh, cool. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, mm. Teaching, I, I, you know what, I, every time I talk to someone who teaches, I say I want to teach, but I don't <laughs> know if I'll ever do it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, teaching is so rewarding, and it's so much work. It's super worth it. Um, but teachers, they never do it for the paycheck. It's for something else, you know, and for me, I think teaching just feeds me in a way that I really appreciate you know I feed from from dealing with young creatives and being surrounded by them and um, it gives me an opportunity to really talk about the things that I like to do Um, and so teaching was something that uh, I looked to 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 sort of expand um, what I was doing and uh, and continue to talk about design and the things that I'm passionate about hmm yeah and I guess like I don't know that I think that's what I'm drawn to I think I'm drawn to this idea of I remember being that confused lost person and not knowing what to do where to start mm-hmm. and having someone um, guide you through that process it seems like it would be rewarding to to be that person yeah yeah it's super rewarding. And it's also, um, it, yeah, it's, it's rewarding in that you're sort of giving back, but you also get such a benefit from it too. You know, you, you get to talk and, and get interested in other ideas. And I think that it's been so, uh, key for me to also teach along with being at the gallery for as long as I have been, because, I, it, it is another outlet for me to explore my creativity, to get new ideas, to have people ask questions. You know, I mean, you can learn so much just based on someone asking a question. Maybe it's something you didn't think about or, you know, maybe it's a different way of um, presenting an idea. But, yeah, I, I really enjoy that aspect. Mm-hmm. So what is it exactly that you do at the gallery when you're like in the capacity of design this <laughs> this is like this project that we worked on yeah uh it really was interesting because like you're a designer you're expected to be creative and bring certain things to the totally. table but then you can't really overstep because you're dealing with other people's stuff yeah so yeah how does that work for you for your job so Wow. So, you know, uh, definitely for the project that we just did, Tyranny, um, if you haven't had a chance to see it, everybody go to the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia to see Dwayne's work in Tyranny. It's excellent. 
Good job, Dwayne. It was Thank fun you. working with you. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, but uh, so what I do is kind of a, a loaded question. So let's let's start with exhibition design because that's kind of, uh, you know, what you and I just recently worked on. So yeah. it is so creative, but it's not. And it's this, it's, it's this kind of push pull. And I think that's what I really like about it. You know, um, it's, I'm constantly questioning myself, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Uh, right. you know, is the design that I've decided on, is it overshadowing? Overshadowing? Does it look like it could be interpreted as work by one of the artists? You know, I don't want to step on toes, but I want to make it, uh, you know, an experience and I want it to, um, reflect what the curator is looking for and what I think the art is. So I have to, you know, I have to interpret, um, I have to not overstep, I have to, um, you know, make things legible. I have to think about things like, you know, who's going to read this? How accessible is this? Is it the right height? Is it the right type size? Is it, um, you know, can you see it well in the space? What's the lighting going to be like? So that's one of the things that I love about exhibition design is because it's a giant problem that I have to solve. And every single exhibition is different. It presents different challenges. Maybe the art is different. So it's very sensitive. So the lighting is low. Um, maybe, you know, maybe it's a living artist. And so they've got ideas about what they want to do. Um, and then the, the curators obviously have ideas about how they want the work shown and what they're trying to say um, with their exhibition. So one of my, my most favorite aspects of working at the gallery is doing exhibition design. It's a challenge. Um, it's amazing. And it is hard to do something that is both you know, Im immersive and part of an exhibition, but that doesn't step on toes or, or speak with my voice too loudly. And that's something that I, I, I learned a lot at when I first started working at the gallery is, um, you know, to check my ego at the door a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and as designers, that can be difficult sometimes because we're creatives, we're, we're interested, we're, we're passionate, we feel strongly about what we're doing. And a lot of times that comes into and leads to ego. It, it can, it does, absolutely. Um, and so it's interesting for me to um, constantly be self-checking like that. I think it's healthy. Um, it's definitely something that I've worked on. And it's something that um, we take a lot of the different interns um, from different programs like NSCC or, or NASCAD design programs. And it's one of the things that I talk to my interns a lot about is, you know, it's not about you. It's not about what you like. It's not about what I like. It's I mean, sometimes it is because let me, you know, I mean, working with art is awesome. You know what I mean? Um, but when people walk through the exhibition, they shouldn't know what I like. It shouldn't be about me. My voice shouldn't be there. And it is just in the definition of, you know, I'm helping put the words on the walls and, and you know, the titling and that sort of thing. Obviously, my hand is there, but but I don't want it to be my hand if that makes sense I want it to be what the gallery is trying to say what what um what the exhibition is trying to say what the artists and what the curators are trying to say and for me the biggest reward is when you know especially when working with living artists when they're happy when the curators are happy you know it's kind of like um, doing design for a book and you send it off and you wait and you wait and you wait and it, it comes back and you open it up and you're like oh is it is it as awesome as I thought it was you know mm -hmm. um, and and I feel like it's the same thing with exhibition design you know I, I sort of I've got it in my head I think I know what I'm doing uh, you know I've got I've got a, an idea and and then I'm just waiting to make sure that it feels the way that I think it's going to feel and the way that I hope that I've interpreted the intention and the, and the thought behind it. Yeah, you know, it kind of, what you're saying reminds me of a quote, and I can't remember who I heard it from, but they said something along the lines of good design being invisible. Yeah. And I, I always really liked that idea. 
but like it's also you know you have to be honest there are moments in exhibition design where you have to be splashy but like you're splashy in a way that is taking the the viewer along a journey that they don't necessarily realize they're being taken on they're just kind of going yeah yeah it's kind of fun and I loved when we were working on tyranny and we got to have those kinds of conversations like, is it too much? Is it enough? You know, mm-hmm. are we doing this? Are we going to go with, you know, uh, you know, black on black? Is that, is that good? Is that bad? You know, having those conversations and, and being able to help um, support you in that journey was, was a great extension of what I do. And so mm-hmm. exhibition design is just a part of what I do at the gallery. Um, I also, uh, my other favorite thing to do is work on publication design because I Love, love books and book design. Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, well, I okay, I just said exhibition design. It's my second favorite. My <laughs> the same. Um, <laughs> I love them both equally. Um, but yeah, I really love publication design and working with, um, you know, book publishing. And you know, it's the same kind of feel for me. You know, again, it's like you know, sometimes I have an idea of what I want to do. I'll get inspiration from, you know, something cool that I saw, a cool technique like shiny vinyl, or I'll find a color combination that I think is great, or I'll touch a piece of linen on a book cover and I'll be like, I need to do that the next publication, you know? But then other times, and the great part about working at the gallery is I'm surrounded by amazing art and artists and people and creatives. And so there's so much to draw from there. Um, so publication design is something else that I do. And then, uh, in my capacity at the gallery, I also, um, you know, create, uh, some marketing materials. Sometimes we work with outside agencies as well. Um, marketing materials, um, print publications, wayfinding, uh, web, uh, services, some video occasionally shop product, um, I, I mean, if you, if, if the gallery needs to produce it, um, then I probably have played a part in some way. Wow. That's, that's cool. So you really get to, to run the gamut of sort of design experiences. Yeah. Oh, I'm super lucky. Absolutely. I, you know, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a really engaging, interesting job where it's got sort of the best of, a lot of different worlds, you know, Um, I get to be an in-house designer. Um, I get to, you know, have like the security of having this job, but I also get every single exhibition is new. Every, um, every project is new. There's constantly something changing. It's a vibrant place. Um, I'm selling something that I believe in, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, all of the time, which I love, you know, educational programs that I believe in, uh, exhibitions that I believe in, artwork, um, you know, other designers, other artists, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah. Do you ever uh, meet any of the artists? Yes. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I have a like total fangirl moment. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And, nice. and sometimes, and it's interesting because every exhibition is different. Every artist is different, right? So some artists are really involved in, um, you know, uh, thinking about how the exhibition will look. Um, some artists aren't. There's a lot of different opportunities to meet different artists and creatives for sure. Yeah. So uh, actually a new type of creative that I, I have yet to have on the, sh- have on the show is um, David Davini. So mm-hmm. um working with him was was interesting mm-hmm. um during this process because i'm used to dealing with a client or so that sort of have a specific vision or an idea of how things should go but uh the, david is was the curator of the mm-hmm. one of the curators of the show i think and mm-hmm. um but he is also a creative so he's coming with the not just a business viewpoint he's he's got a a pretty specific creative view as well but then he's also curating a show that's about other artists not himself so it's it was it was interesting some of the conversations we had about like using 
certain surfaces or certain um, finishing techniques on the walls versus yeah. using others and um, how big a, a, a graphic should be versus like how small it should be. So mm -hmm. th those kind of conversations, how do you feel about that push and pull between the curator and the, the exhibition designer? I really love it. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, obviously whenever there's push and pull, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, there's a winner, sometimes there's a loser, sometimes there's compromise. But I, I think that those kinds of conversations are really important. You know, like I said earlier, you need to check your ego at the door. Well, I also need checks and balances. You know, mm -hmm. I need someone to say like, hey, Amy, maybe you've gone too far with this. What about something else? You know, um, and sometimes, you know, as designers do, I'll get a really great idea and I'll be like this idea. I'm sold on this idea. It's happening, you know, mm -hmm. and um it can suck sometimes when a client or when a, you know, in, the, in my case, a curator or um, an, another colleague, depending on the project, says, no, nah, I don't love that idea. Let's kill mm -hmm. it. You know, that can be as a designer that can suck. But honestly, I think that sometimes those are where some of the best ideas come from, you know, and yep. at the end of the day, when you stand back and you look at where things are it's always for the better, you know? And the thing with David that I really admire is he's really about the work and about mm -hmm. the artists and about the, the, the show and the, and the gallery. And, you know, he's not just like arbitrarily making decisions because he's decided that thing, you know, like he, we have a really great dialogue and, um, I really respect his opinions and decisions. And I think that he makes me a better designer because he questions what I do. And sometimes it means that, you know, I fight for something because I really believe in it. And, you know, we get on board. And then other times it's because I'm trying to make an idea work that maybe isn't the right idea. And I think, you know, I think rules in design are helpful. Yes. You know? As For much sure. as they're terrible, you know, rules are terrible, but we want to break them. But mm -hmm. they also help us guide what we're doing. And um, I like that. I really, I think it, I think it feeds me. I think it makes me a better designer. Um, I think that's what critique and questioning does. Yeah, I think that's where the creativity comes to. And you know that you're limited and you have to work within these certain things, but you have to get a certain result. Then you just start, okay, this thing that I thought that was really obvious. Now I got to really step back and say, okay, how do I make that same thing happen? Mm -hmm. But with these constraints and then that's where the magic sort of. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, you have conversations with yourself. Is it enough? Is it too much? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I were looking at this without my eyes, you know, if I were somebody without this background, what would I be seeing or feeling, you know, and what I've learned um, through my career and, and, you know, what I say a lot lately when I'm talking about what I do is it's a lot of times it's about evoking emotion. Yeah. Right. It's helping to kind of lead people through and, and help provide a platform to to create sort of feeling or emotion or or reiterate kind of what we're trying to say yeah yeah true so yeah. stepping back um mm -hmm. did you as a child did you always know that design is something you wanted to do no I wanted to be a cowgirl <laughs> Yeah. Did you grow up in the country somewhere? Uh, I, I, uh, I lived, I've lived a bunch of places. Um, but when I lived, uh, when I was young in, uh, in elementary school, I lived in Edmonton and, uh, <laughs> and I wanted to be a cowgirl. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, first it was cowgirl. Um, and then for a while, I think I thought I wanted to be a teacher or something. And then I kind of went through this whole, like, I don't know what I want to be, but I want to do something creative, you know, the kind of high school angsty, like, 
I don't know who I am, but I'm going to go to art class and feel feelings. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, so I kind of did that. And then um, I'm not even sure I knew what a graphic designer was growing up necessarily. Um, But my dad is very creative. And I just, I I got a lot of inspiration from him. And I I just sort of searched for what am I going to do? How am I going to have a creative career? I can't be a mathematician. I can't be, you know, whatever, like a scientist, because, you know, I just, I couldn't. So I needed to find something that was going to, you know, be creative. And and I just sort of thought to myself, what are you going to do? Like, you got to do something. And uh, so I I went to the NSCC and I started taking, you know, the kind of foundation year, uh, program there. Uh, and then I kind of fell into design. I think some people just fall into it. Some people know they want to be an artist or a designer or whatever. Um, and then I sort of fell into it. I started taking, uh, photography and I really loved the, um, digital portion of photography, but I just don't have the patience to be a photographer. Although, Um, you know, learning photography helped me a lot and it's still, you know, absolutely in use. Although I would never say I'm a photographer, um, because I prefer to hire photographers. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, learning photography and understanding photography really helped me, um, kind of strengthen my visual eye. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got a job actually right out of getting my photography diploma um, helping out a graphic designer and she helped mentor me. Um, and then I got a graphic design job Wow! and I did that for a little while. And I went back to school, uh, to take web design, uh, cause you know, money mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> I would like to make it, I would like to eat more than Mr. <laughs> Noodles. And, uh, so I did web design for a number of years. So then I came back to Nova Scotia. I was in Toronto at the time I came back to Nova Scotia and I worked as a web designer, um, and did some graphic design as well. And then, uh, and then I, uh, had my son and I needed to find a graphic design job after having him. And I was struggling to get a graphic design job because I didn't really have training in graphic design. And, you know, I mean, as again, checking my ego at the door, my portfolio at the time wasn't awesome. Um, and, uh, and so then I went back to school for graphic design and, uh, I did that and it was amazing. And that's when I knew, like, it wasn't really until then that I knew that graphic design was the way for me. And, you know, not long after that, I came to the gallery and here we are. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. Boom, bang. <laughs> Just like you planned it. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it's funny, though. I, I know so many, it seems like graphic, de- people who go from either photography to graphic design or graphic design to photography. It's it's interesting how that happens. It's such an interesting um, connection. And not, not every photographer loves graphic design. Um, mm-hmm. Not every graphic designer loves photography. Um, but it definitely is like um, there's, there's a shared sort of visual vernacular between the two um, that I think makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think something with composition, I think we understand composition well when we're laying out a page or whatever the case may be, whatever it is we're laying out and they kind of have to do the same sort of thing with a photo. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, one thing I asked you before, like uh, when we were looking at a previous show at the gallery is like, I just want you to answer the audience, but do you ever feel like, man, look at this art. I think I want to make something. I want to um, create something. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and I remember us having this discussion and it's, it's a kind of a tough one for me because I don't really, and Mm -hmm. 
that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and why is that? Um, no, I, I don't really create anymore. And that's outside of my job. I create mm-hmm. in my job all the time. Um, but I don't really do a lot of um, painting and drawing and, and those sorts of things. And I used to all the time. I used to carry a sketchbook. Um, I, I tell my students all the time you know, uh, draw it, write it. You know, it's a very much like do as I say, not as I do. Um, but yeah, um, I used to do a lot of digital artwork and, um, I do less and less. Um, and it's not that I'm not inspired by artwork because I am, and maybe it's a product of what I do, but I almost think more about how, how it could be framed in an exhibition or how it might inspire some typography or, um, you know, how I might use it in my next project almost as reference, um, you know, or as inspiration. I don't do a lot of my own creative art making. However, um, I am also on top of all the other things that I'm doing. I'm uh, going back to school um, on self-directed um to uh to take all of my diplomas and turn them into a degree and uh yeah it's pretty cool and uh through that um because I have tons of free time and I clearly hate it so I have to fill it with all the things (laughs) um (laughs) uh yeah so I um took this one class um through my uh degree that I'm getting and it was a introduction to color Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I'm gonna do so well with this course. I am gonna ace it. I am gonna be a boss. You know, I know color. I know, you know, color theory. You know, this course easy. And it was a mandatory. You know, something I needed to take. So I was like, no problem. Got it in the bag. And then I realized when all the materials for the course came, because um, the courses that I'm taking are online, self-directed. Uh, everything came as this huge art box that came. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I realized this course is in oils. Of course it's in oils. <laughs> I need to learn how to paint with oil. I have never painted with oil before. And I was like, just surrounded by all these, these amazing painting supplies. You know, I remember watching Bob Ross and seeing him work that palette knife and thinking that's crazy. I should do that. Like, you know, those sorts of things when I was in, um, you know, in, in art school and stuff. And so suddenly, all of a sudden, here I am, I've got a palette knife, I've got a big sheet of plexi, I have all these colors, and I need to mix a color wheel. And then I have to mix black from, you know, all the colors, and I have to do all of these things. And, you know, I, I, it was so rewarding and terrible. You know, I hate working in oils. <laughs> it's terrible. It smelled, I didn't enjoy it. It was hard, but the challenge was amazing. And it forced me, I do know color, but I know color. I can, I can mix you up a color in Photoshop like that. Like that. Yeah. Like that. (laughs) But when I have to do it manually and it reignited my appreciation for depths of color and especially like depths of color in black and, um, you know, it, it sort of reminded me that doing things in an analog way is really important for my practice. Um, so all that long-winded, you know, explanation to say, I don't do a lot of my own art, um, but I think I should probably try to find a way to do more because that, although, I don't know that it would be working in oils. Not my favorite. Um, <laughs> I, I did really learn so much from that. And it was humbling to learn a lot about a subject that I walked in with this confidence thinking, yeah, I know this. I know what I'm doing. I got this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. And the the course had me like do an art sketchbook and, you know, uh, basically it was like practice every day. Uh, and that was kind of a fun exercise too. And it's been a while since I've done some of that work, 
Um, so that was, yeah, it was really rewarding. Yeah. But you know what? I, I get that. I, I get it so much. I, there was a, a part in my lifetime where I was like, not interested in, if it didn't have a client or problem to solve attached to it, I just wasn't interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm kind of like my, my, my perspective is different, but only because I, and I, I don't fully understand necessarily why, but it's like a switch just went off and I'm like, okay, I want to make things again. But one of my favorite designers is Stefan Segmeister. And oh yeah, I, I was like, okay, so his design work, I think I love it so much because it almost feels like art. And Mm -hmm. I was looking him up recently because I haven't checked his work out for a while. And I saw that he has this Q and a part or whatever. And he, he makes a very strong distinction in what he does and makes it very clear that it is not art, Mm -hmm. but, um, he also says that he likes to do work that is, um, what was the word he used? Like low, low fidelity or something like that, or low, low client expectation, which basically means like he could do whatever the hell he wants. So I'm kind of like, and, and he'll do stuff that's self-directed, like no client. He'll just do some weird graphic design e thing or installation or weird thing um and Mm -hmm. i was just like to me that's that's art but to him it's not so it's interesting but i do think like having those types of things where you just sort of like remove constraints and just see where you can go or what you want to do or set your own constraints i should say yeah Um, it's uh it's interesting what what um muscles it can grow i guess Um, yeah I think that's healthy and I think that you know it's important and maybe it's an ebb and flow maybe I didn't mm -hmm. need that for a while but maybe it's time to go back and Mm -hmm. I think it's important to tune in with yourself and and you know make determinations about hey where am I in my career am I feeling inspired you know uh, do I need to find inspiration and I think one of the things that's tricky about being a designer is you do have to be so self-motivated. You have to motivate to educate yourself. You have to be motivated to find inspiration. Um, And you have to be a little fearless with those things. You know, if you're feeling unmotivated or uninspired, you've got to shake it off. You've got to find something else to do. So, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like you've got this in your career and tons of motivation and you're good, maybe you don't need to do or find a creative outlet. But, you know, if, if you're starting to feel stagnant, I think you, you got to push yourself out and do something else, find something else, you know, work with yeah. an organization, do a different project, you know, yeah. I just think do that's something what creative. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was for me. I think I was probably going through, and it was around the time I started the art Beijing brand. I think mm-hmm. I was just feeling like stagnant in some way and needed to do something else. Yeah. Um, one thing, they, but, you know, you're a, a fantastic designer. Thank um, you. Do you ever feel intimidated by the work? Like, you know, some you're, you're designing around, like when you do, say, a, a publication with Maude Lewis's artwork. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, I don't want to ruin, you know. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I feel intimidated all the time, for sure. And different levels of intimidation. You know, it's it's sometimes it's that I think this artist or this work is so amazing. So I'm intimidated to be working on the project. And sometimes it's a conversation with myself around like, am I doing this justice? Am I doing the right work? Am I, am I, is this the right thing? And uh, yeah, I think, I think I'd be disappointed if I wasn't a little intimidated you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think it goes back to my conversations around, uh, you know, ego and questioning myself and those sorts of things. I think it's important for me anyway, to, uh, 
to find the humility to to go hey am I doing the right thing am I listening to the right people um you know and it's man there's no greater feeling than when you've created something and you're proud of it but then when um the artist or the curator or your peers look at it and they're like you know what that's a really great job you know mm-hmm. and it doesn't even have to come to me. Like, I don't even have to, to be, you know, looking at me and saying, Hey, Amy, that's a great job, you know, but like when I've created a prod, uh, product or uh, something that people really admire and enjoy or use, um, it's, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my career drug for sure. You know, mm-hmm. like that's where I'm like, okay, check. Yeah. I did a great job. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So one thing we talked about, we started talking about um, before we started recording was kind of like portfolio stuff. So <laughs> one of the things I struggle with is what to put in a portfolio. Like, do I put the stuff that I like in it or do I put the stuff that I think a client might like or whoever I'm trying to impress might like yeah God how do you know what to put in a portfolio oh man that is such a good question because hilariously when I am in not hilariously it's pretty funny but when I'm in teacher mode so I'm talking to my students I have no problem saying to them you know this should be in your portfolio this should be in your portfolio it's so not so easy, but I find it um, pretty easy to look at an overview of a student's work and say, yeah, this is really strong. I would look for this. You know, this is really strong. You know, have this in your portfolio. It's, but it's that self-reflection, looking at your own stuff, you know, it's really hard to decide what your, what of your stuff is the most important stuff. And that's a loaded question too. Like, and so, you know, I tell my students, I'm like, oh, you know, keep up with your portfolio and don't let it go stagnant and always add pieces to it. And I'm the worst. I'm the worst. You know, I've got all this advice. I'm like, yes, keep your portfolio site, do this, do that. Like, you know, you won't regret it. And half the time I'm saying that it's because I currently regret the fact that my portfolio site is like half done. And, you know, and it's because I'm, I'm struggling to like, how do I put the work in? Have I, you know, is, is the way I'm presenting the work, the way that I want it to be shown, um, what do I say about my work? And I'm, I struggle with doing that for myself. Um, and, and that it's tricky, you know, it's, it's tricky. And that's almost where rules come in again. It's easier for me to curate a selection of my work to show someone if I know what it's for. So say for instance, someone's like, Oh, you know, I need to see a couple samples because, um, you know, I want to do, uh, you know, a a book project. Okay. No problem. Tell me what your book project is about. Great. Absolutely. No problem. Here's some samples. That's Mm -hmm. easy because there's rules and parameters around it. Right. But when I go and I look at my own portfolio or selling myself, because I'm very out of practice at it, um, because I've been in the same job for 15 years, um, is, is that, what do you pick? What do you, what do you pick? You know, do I pick current projects? Do I pick a selection so people can see what I've done, you know, over the 15 years? Um, you know, do I, do I think about, you know, what is going to show me in the best light, but how do I know that? Because who's looking at it? Because what do they want to see? Anyway, let me tell you, (laughs) I don't have the answers. I don't, but Uh. I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah. But even when you and I were talking about like, you know, send me a couple samples of your work. I was like, "Uh Oh, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. You know what do I do? What do I send? What's good enough? What's you know? And then and then you have to question yourself. You have to ask yourself. You're like, what do you mean? What's good enough? Just send your work. Like the public is seeing it. It's out there in the world. Just send it. But you know, 
I think I'm always going to have a small part of me that, you know, wonders if what I've done is hitting the mark or enough. And I think that's probably a healthy part. It doesn't help though at all when it comes to like trying to self-promote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to take a page out of my own book and treat myself like I'm one of my students and tell myself, you know, pick 10 great projects and show those. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. I mean, like even with the clothing brand stuff, sometimes like I see other people and they have no problem promoting their business. Like it's the best, greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And I'm kind of just like, yeah, it's cool if you like it, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you, you want to hang out. Too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I'm like, absolutely. It's, it's one of the areas that I think that I struggle with, you know, mm. and I think it's why I'm so passionate with talking to my students about it and saying, you need this and, you know, keep your work and self-promote. And, you know, it's because also it's an area that I know that I struggle with. I'm a little weak there. So, yeah. you know, so actually with that, I'm, I'm old too. Well, I'm <laughs> old. I should say too. I'm older than you. Um, How dare you? No. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but when I say that, I mean I was, and uh, I came out in, a, in, in an era when we were walking around with big printed portfolio cases. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> me too, trust. Yeah. So the advice back then was, you know, ten to fifteen pieces, yeah. and then it became emailing pdfs and now but then that's frustrating because then the pdf ends up being like 10 megabytes and then they're like well yeah. you can't send anything larger than one megabyte and yada yeah. yada yada so what's the thing now is it to have a website or is it still recommended to email pdfs you know i've always hated the emailed pdf and mm. i think it's because i'm a tactile person okay. and i like to meet with someone I like to look at their work, printed mm. samples. Um, okay. So I still love a printed portfolio. I really do. Oh, okay. However, I think the thing is much more um, having like a portfolio site that you can, you know, point someone to yeah. or having, um, you know, like a static um, presentation a lot of times now I see um, uh, students or people who are interested in work will like have an iPad or something and they'll show their portfolio on the iPad. I mean, that is good uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of things. There's good and bad with everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think that I'm a little bit old school in that way that I like to sit down. I like to thumb through it. I like to you know, see the tactile. And I think a lot of that comes from um, really enjoying publication design and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, now, you know, with, with different kinds of photography and video and, and sound and all of these things being incorporated into design, a digital format really does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'll probably always have a combination of the two at the ready not mm. really because like I just admitted it's not super finished but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah I think yeah that doesn't really yeah. answer your question but <laughs> no it, it kind of does it kind of yeah. it, it does because I mean that's kind of where my thinking has gone to practic from a practical standpoint a website just makes sense and it's a lot easier to put up a portfolio site now than it was mm -hmm. back when I was starting out uh, yeah for sure and there are lots of services you can use for that kind of thing too so yeah. why not but then also if you're if you're a print designer then being able to show what that looks like in real life just yeah it makes a difference yeah, I'm huge on like texture and being able to touch something. And, you know, I think it's why a lot of times I'll work with an uncoated paper or I'll want to do 
a foil on something, or we just did this really um, great publication, Autism Arts, and we we covered the book in um, a rainbow paper, but it's meant to look a lot like craft paper, and it has that really tactile feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, tactile uh, objects that you can hold. I mean, I'm a sucker for them. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't, I used to design, I used to love magazine design and that's what I wanted to do. And I haven't been able to, to design a magazine in years. And, uh, it was just something I had to give up. I was like, yeah, yeah. I guess that's never going to happen again. Um, Who knows? Maybe you'll do an art pays me magazine. Yeah, maybe, you know what I, I did hey. at one point really want to do some kind of a magazine my, on my, on my own, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What's money anyway? Just do it. What's exactly? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, what would you say is the hardest thing about what it is that you do? Man, um, that's a loaded question. Uh, the hardest thing about being a designer or the hardest thing about my specific job or. Huh. You know what? I'll, I'll go with designer. Okay. So I think the hardest thing about being a designer is, is recognizing what you need, recognizing how to ask for it and how to grow. And that's the thing that I think that can be really difficult. It's, it's, you don't know what you don't know. So how do you educate yourself? How do you um, find out what you need to know to take on a project? Hmm. Um, Graphic design is, is about problem solving and it's about communication. So it's about really finding the answers to those questions. And because it's really like solving a big puzzle, um, you know, I think the hardest part is, is making sure you've got all the pieces. Have you set yourself up for success? Do you know what that looks like? Do you have goals? Do you, do you know what you need to learn? Are you pushing yourself? You know, it can be hard to be self-motivated sometimes. And I think even in a steady job, you know, graphic design, you really have to push past just, you know, a nine to five, I'm going to show up and do my job. I think it's about growth and about learning and about opportunity and about being kind of a visual magpie and collecting things. And what do you do with those things that you've collected? And so I think it's, it's checking in with yourself, doing those sorts of things. And then of course, there's just like the regular stuff about having any job, you know, who am I going to work for? What am I going to do? You know, what if I feel unfulfilled in my job? Am I learning what I need to learn? you know yeah i guess that's the hardest part yeah (laughs) so i'm a i'm a dad and i always you know every now and then i feel guilt that i'm not doing enough to influence my kids in a creative way or share enough of what i'm doing with them to get Mm -hmm. them excited do you ever feel that way um Sometimes, um, I think for a long time, I had a lot of guilt with my son that I'm a bit of a, like a workaholic. Hmm. And so I think I had a lot of, you know, maybe I'm not spending enough time with him overall, or maybe I'm working too much or maybe, you know, and then I remind myself that, you know, there's lots of ways in which you influence your, your children. And, mm-hmm. and one of them is, you know, sitting down and saying, Hey, here's a thing that you need to learn. And another thing is modeling that, mm-hmm. you know, and showing that in your life, what you're doing and, you know, the different opportunities that you provide for them or the opportunities that you provide for yourself or, or seek out for yourself. Um and so, yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, I, I honestly wish that I drew more so that he would love drawing more because mm-hmm. he's actually really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a little while, he had this moment where he was really drawing and I, 
you know, sometimes I regret that maybe I could have drawn more with him and maybe he would still stick with it, but maybe that's just not where he needs to be. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I realize and recognize too, in my own life is, you know, when, um, when I was looking for inspiration and, and where I was going to be. And, you know, my dad was in a very, um, you know, uh, construction-y, you know, businessman career and had left a lot of his artistic pursuits, you know, sort of in the back burner. And we did stuff together some of the time and, you know, but a lot of it, I, I just looked at some of his old projects. He had stuff from when he was in architecture school around. And I remember looking at some of the old projects he'd done through school and stuff and finding them so interesting, like in the writing. It's funny too, because I wouldn't have been able to tell you at the time that I was a graphic designer, but the fact that I was obsessed with how my dad wrote from architecture school Um, And then I would practice writing like that. (laughs) And now to this day, I write in capitals, all caps, like my dad, when I'm jotting notes. Um, And it was just from seeing that in one of his projects, being inspired by it, thinking it looked cool, wanting to do it. And so when I, whenever I think, you know, oh, have I, you know, exposed him to enough? Have I shown him enough, you know? Has he learned enough from me creatively? Does he know it's okay to pick a creative career? I just have to remind myself that, you know, I have done everything that I can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully in a couple of years, he's not sitting in a therapist chair complaining about how I ruined his artistic career by working too much. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, that's literally all I think about. Like my, someday my kids are going to be like, <laughs> Man, I wish my dad did blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, like, you honestly, all parents were really just doing what we can, you know? Yeah. I remember being a kid and being like, oh, why won't my parents understand? And now I'm like, man, they must have been exhausted. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's all about perspective, you know? Yeah. And And yeah, you just have to like, Honestly, you just got to try to be the best you that you can be as cheeseball as that, you know, advice is. I think that's, that's all we can do. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, you're, <laughs> I, uh, thank you for the therapy session. Um, hey, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's so for you te- first time. You, oh, <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you teach and you give young people advice all the time. What's, what's like the biggest piece of advice you give someone trying to start a career in, as a designer or even an artist, if you could do that? Oh my goodness. I would love to ask my students this question and just see how many of them like pick out cheese ball lines, I say. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know... What's the biggest piece of advice? I think I think I just want them to enjoy it. I hope that's what I impart to them is that I love design and I love talking about it and and I want them to love it too, you know? And I want them to feed on it and to pick the aspect of it that they want, you know, because there's so many, um, there's so many disciplines within design or within photography or within printmaking or, you know, any of those things. So it's, you know, what feeds you do something that feeds you, mm-hmm. whether it be creatively, whether it be intellectually, you know, because we only have one life. Yeah. Do something that you can get behind. And if you can't get behind in your day-to-day job because you need to make money and do whatever, then find something that you can add to that to supplement that. You know, take photos, uh, you know, uh, be so surround yourself by interesting people, go to galleries, you know, feed yourself. Um, because when we're junior designers, sometimes we're, we're laying out and resizing ads that other people did. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to do. But 
you can start to work on and focus on, you know, the things that you are drawn to. And you really can build that into your life, into your career. You know, the world is your oyster. Go out and get it. Do it. Mm. Find it. That's it. I love yes. that. So any, we talked about tyranny. So that's happening at the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, I think. If, yep. if I'm yep. saying it correctly. You are not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, meant, you sort of mentioned something briefly to me about another uh, cool thing that's coming out. Are you able to talk about any of that stuff? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a... Um, an exhibition that is coming up and it's titled uh, Confluence. And in this exact moment, I realized that I have got to listen to the, um, my colleague Aiden uh, Gillis sent out a, uh, a voice recording of how to properly pronounce, pronounce the uh, Mi'kmaq Uh, portion of the title and Mm. I'm having super regret at this exact moment that I have not practiced enough um, (laughs) to say that portion so I'm I definitely I'm sorry Aiden I will I will practice um, much much better um, because I failed Um, but yes that exhibition is opening in uh, August and it is a rehang of our indigenous um, collection on the mezzanine level. And it's been a number of years uh, that Shifting Ground has been up. So it's replacing the exhibition Shifting Ground. And um, the uh, curators are Aidan Gillis and Michael McCormick, my colleagues at the Art Gallery. And we are working with a uh, wonderful uh, duo of graphic designers, uh, Badawogan, um, and Cassidy and Kaylin have been fantastic and we're working together to, uh, build the exhibition kind of in the same style that we, uh, worked on tyranny. So it's going to be a really great show. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's been amazing working with them and I'm really, uh, I'm finding it so inspiring to work with other designers and, um, you know, to, to learn from them and to work with them. And it's been, it's been great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. So folks look out for that and make sure you check out tyranny at the gallery as well. And um, Amy, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about or promote? Uh, (laughs) No, no. Um, a tyranny is definitely something to see and definitely check out Confluence in uh, in October. But I just want to say thanks, Dwayne. This has been amazing. And uh, I'm really humbled that you asked me to come and chat with you on your podcast. I've been kind of fangirling for a while. So, <laughs> no, but you know, um, you're very mysterious. Uh, I was going to ask you where people can find you online, but you seem to keep that pretty wrapped up. And you said your website's not. Um, so it is actually live. I can, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the link. Um, (laughs) and maybe this will inspire me to actually put up some more, uh, some more, uh, portfolio pieces, but yeah, I don't have a great online presence. Um, and it's something that I have to work on because who knows what the future holds and people might want to find me. Who knows? Exactly. So actually what's, can you say what the, I'm going to link it, but uh, can you say what it is for people who um, don't check it? I sure can. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up so I don't screw it up. <laughs> Give me no one problem. second. Uh, it's uh, just, uh, it's an Adobe portfolio site. So it's just amybachelor.myportfolio.com. Cool. Those are yeah. great. Actually, I'm using one of those for my, I made a art portfolio site and I keep debating whether or not to to use it or just build something into artpaysme.com but I know, those are those are cool yeah yeah it's 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 super easy to work with and it's been uh pretty good but i <laughs> hilariously again when i was pulling work to sort of uh share with you i thought huh i should really i should really get back to working on this so yeah. do as i say everybody and not <laughs> as i do and keep your portfolio updated so that one day 
when Dwayne talks to you on his podcast, you won't have to admit that you keep a terrible portfolio. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Um, I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, sure. Do you think, so when I've been looking, researching for my own portfolio, I noticed that a lot of the agencies and other artists and designers, I look at both, um, they don't stick to the 10 piece minimum when it comes or 10 or 15 piece range for their portfolio websites. They tend to have tons of artwork on their things or tons of design mm-hmm. projects. But do you, do you still think that it's better to keep less or would you say go with the more if you have it? So I think that for upcoming students, I would still say be careful. Don't give too much. And the reason I say that for younger designers and students is because I think that it takes a while to develop your eye to make decisions around what is worth showing. Mm. Um, But I think at a certain level, um, at a certain level, I think more projects probably helps. Mm. Um, Because then you want to show sort of the diversity of what you are capable of. Um, And also I think at a certain point, people wanna see more of um, maybe a longevity or, uh, you know, uh, more of an established presence. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the interplay. You know, when you're you're more junior, I think people want a quick sound bite. They wanna know who you are and they wanna know like this, 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 that's who you are. But I think when you become a little more established or when you're an agency or something like that, I think then um, people want more information around who you are, what your style is and what you can deliver. And I think there's more to say, Um, you know, and, and not in a I'm more accomplished thing or anything like that. It's more about as you grow as a designer, your job is so much bigger than just you know, doing brochures and whatever, it becomes, uh, you know, not to negate those things because they're important, but it becomes so much more um, well-rounded and permeates so many other avenues. You think more about the language, you think more about the presentation, the brand, you think more about um, what's required uh, from a holistic uh, messaging standpoint. And I think that just requires more. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, you know, I, that reminds me of my sort of change in thinking too, as I've matured as a designer. I used to hate when clients would want to add certain information or mm-hmm. add logos or add whatever. And now like my my thinking on that is so different because I'm like, actually those, those are context um, cues for the people who want to read these things or people. Oh, totally. Totally. Like, uh, yeah. One of my biggest examples of that is grammar. Mm-hmm. I used to think that it didn't matter. Copywriters will do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just the designer. Yep. And now, oh my goodness, my students are probably really tired of me explaining <laughs> to them the difference <laughs> between an M dash and an N dash. But yep. let me tell you, they are going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> it matters. It matters. It totally matters. I, I definitely have been like guilty of rewriting stuff from clients because I'm like, that's all the time. Sorry, that's wrong. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time, all the time. Or I'll, I'll, I'll write back and I'll say, did you mean to say? Cause I, think, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, the, you're just supposed to make it look pretty well, you know, well, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't really communicate what you think it does when you write it that way. But that's so. the thing, right? Graphic design really is about communication. And so yep. it's so much more than just making something look pretty. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, making something look pretty is almost the last step. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> cool. Well, Amy, thanks for, for um, letting me nerd out a bit about design and stuff thank you it's been awesome i love to talk about this kind of stuff thank you yeah oh yeah and i want to say like yeah i wanted you on the show because like 
you know, you are mysterious. Most of my people I, I have on the show is because I've been stalking them online for a while. <laughs> um, but like when I met you, you know a lot. You were very in, intelligent. You're a great designer when I saw your work. And I was Thank like, you. huh, okay. So, you know, there's something also to be said, like about, you know, we, we often value these huge social media presences and all this kind of stuff, but there are a lot of people who like doing cool things on the low. So it's, it's yeah. nice to, to pay attention to some of that too. So, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll finish that portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. Well, you have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.